Welcome to the John Gardena Classroom. Today we have a family friend, one of my dad's best friends from the Cleveland area, actually in the entire world. His name is John Michaels. He currently lives in Los Angeles. He's in the motion picture industry. He originally was from Cleveland, left in 1981 to Los Angeles to pursue his dreams. And during that, those years, he had many struggles but successes. And because of his persistence, he never gave up and is now a very, very well-known man in the area. The one thing that you'll learn from John is that the journey is the destination. He also is an athlete, uh, avid runner, has run multiple marathons, and actually has run one in France, and is a wine connoisseur as well. So without further ado, John Michaels, how are you doing today? Good morning or good afternoon, Johnny. Yeah. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you being here and taking time out of your day. It means a lot to, to me and the fans. So um, let's get started. So okay. kind of tell us just the background of you know growing up and going to St. Joe's and the East Side Cleveland School and uh, just kind of how, what kind of kid you were, athlete, just uh, a little bit of background, John. That's a good question, and it could take a long time to go through that, but yeah. let, me briefly, let me briefly just get through it. Yes, I'm, I hail from Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up in the North Collinwood uh, District in Cleveland, attended uh, uh, St. Mary's Grade School in Collinwood, and then Cleveland St. Joseph High School in Cleveland. You know, I think through those years, I've met so many different people, varied in their occupations, you know, their personal beliefs, and many other things. And I, I really would never trade my childhood for those memories because they were, they were really cool. You know, back when social media was, you exchanged a conversation with each other. You played in the playground. You got outside, you know, curious about everything. Yeah. You know, uh, we, uh, I come from a family of four, my mom and dad, my dad, mom and dad were my role models back then. We had great coaching, a lot of love, uh, athletically, we were always trained to win, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we had a, we were fierce competitors and I suppose we still are, but we did in fairness, we practiced hard. We we're good teammates, which I think that continues through life. Mm -hmm. Tell me somebody who had, you show me somebody who never played sports or competitively. I kind of leery about them because yeah. I like teamwork. Mm -hmm. You know, no one person is the big champ. It's, it's everything around you that you surround yourself with that you become successful because, mm -hmm. of, you know, I went to St. Joe's, graduated uh, all-male high school class of 1976, where, again, we had really great kids working there. That's where I met your father. Mm -hmm. You know, I was I was a, a nut. You know, I, I went out for the football team the wrong day, ended up on a cross-country team. <laughs> We're working out and said, hey, would you, would you guys want to run? You want to work? And I said, sure. I said, I love this. And that's where my running career began, by accident. Nice. I've been running ever since. And your dad came in. We played basketball together in high school. And he was the captain of our football team. I mean, to me, he was uh, he was so the, the perfect guy coming in. I hated his guts. You know? <laughs> in, fact, in fact, you know, one time we were running behind the bleachers, I was going to knock him into it when nobody was looking. But, geez, this guy is so nice. I can't do it. Yeah. And then from there, our friendship began continued and grew all through uh, through high school very proud of him and his wife who was a cheerleader susan Another at notre name. dame yeah and, and the gals there were really great and as a couple they grew i was in their wedding party 
And the rest is history. He's come out to Los Angeles. We share so many things and sense of humor and love. It's been uh, one of my, my greatest things in life, my friendship with, uh, with Tom and Sue. And yeah. then again with you kids. So I saw y'all grow up. And it's, uh, it's just really soothing when I see you guys together. It's like life is good. Well, we, yeah, we were always mesmerized by John. We always say Johnny, you know, from California, always wondering what actors or actresses you're meeting and what shoots you're doing, what movie you're working on. And we, mm-hmm. anytime you came in, it was probably maybe once a year um, right. on average. And you always had that glow in your eyes of just um, being present with us. And we always appreciated that when, when you came over to our house. It was always such a warm embrace that you gave our family. So that bond well, you formed with my dad has continued for, looks like, what, 45 years now, right? Is that what it is? About 45, yeah. Wow. That's isn't, right. that, isn't that crazy yeah. to think that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And uh, and uh, he's inspiring. Even to this last trip when I lost my father Yeah. Uh, this past uh, August. And, you know, when you have the family uh, together and your friends really, it's really helps you. You know, God's guidance for strength and, and your father was very much that part of that strength mm-hmm. and we shared a really wonderful evening just him and i with a campfire down by lake Erie, and just hanging out what we said and what we didn't say yeah was was truly a magical experience i'll never forget so wow yeah well you know i think uh, one of the things about this this classroom that i like to share with people is just the importance of family and whether they're blood related or not it's very important mm-hmm. to have someone in your corner who's always your cheerleader, supporter, and someone who's got your back um, through the thick and thin. So it's it's really nice to see the relationship that you that you and my father have together. It really is it's a, a blessing to witness through all the years of my life, watching both of you grow and just support each other in all your endeavors. It really is nice, John. Well, well like I said, it's appreciate. You know, you, you come out here to Hollywood, and you're you work with a lot of great people. We, 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 we meet famous people. We meet infamous people. We meet the common man and a very diverse group of mankind from all over the world, mm-hmm. a melting pot. And you see good people everywhere. You know, don't dismiss that they have to be in a certain city or country. You know, I've been blessed with traveling all over the world uh, uh, extensively. And I really treasure each one of them for the common man seeing the common worker like in mm-hmm. India making something on the street food or, or, or agriculture people with machines or movie stars doing this or women and children playing and really showing the love. And, you know, everybody wants the same things in life. I can tell you this from my travels. So even the smallest act of kindness goes a long way for people. Don't underestimate this, no matter who they are, mm-hmm. famous or, or not famous, it goes a long way. You know, you, your family, you know, inspirational to me. I would, I never want to let them down. See, uh, in life as an athlete, the only person you have to worry about that you, uh, to, to disappoint, you know, mm-hmm. is yourself. Yeah. And if you can't, dis- don't disappoint yourself. You know, be a lightning rod, man. Help others. Get off by helping others. Be prepared. Train. Love, even when it's the hardest thing to do. There's two sides to every pancake sometimes. <laughs> No matter how thin. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Have some patience. Sometimes goes a long way in life. Yeah, no, just in life. Well, that's where that's where we're going to guide this conversation now. Is 
patience and persistence. So after you graduated from St. Joe's in 76, um, talk about what happened after you graduated and what prompted you to go to Hollywood. Okay, so graduated in 76, you know, uh, what are you doing next? Oh, my God, I'm becoming a, a young man. I can't be a, a goofball. Mm-hmm. So I got to get a job or I got to do something. So I always worked as a kid, though. I, I won't get into that. There's numerous of them. So I was never lazy that way. Yeah. I always like to earn money because I like money in my pocket. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough. So I went to college because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I know I wanted to, I wanted to be a professional baseball player in the end. Uh, I had a very life-threatening car accident when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And it kind of put an end to certain things I could do athletically. Basketball was my real passion, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, got healthy to play uh, uh, baseball in my senior year. Junior year, I was kind of like just getting rehabbed in senior I played. Pretty good player, made all conference, went to, to college uh, to play ball for a couple of years because a JC, because at a JC, you, you know, all the pros were looking back then at, you know, the 18, 19 year old kids coming out. And, uh, well, I was good, but I wasn't selected mm-hmm. to pro. So I started working. You know, I worked as a United States steel worker. I worked as a mm. teamster at 18, 19 years old through connections. Yeah. And I figured this is not what I want don't particularly care for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys and all that are cool. And you, know, you put money in your pocket. And I was bartending at nights, the crazy rock and roll clubs, <laughs> which your father used to pitch in once in a while when we needed as well. And we had fun. Then I got out of there. I said like, okay, I have a cousin in, in, that lives in Los Angeles that uh, uh, I met just several years ago and her father passed and was buried in Cleveland. And I said, I'll come out there one day, you know, she goes, please do. And I did. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I came out on a couple of weeks vacation uh, really work LA hard, meaning I went to, you know, anything from museums to nightclubs to Venice, mm. you know, to get to decent restaurants and kind of hung around with a very cool vibe, which were people in the motion picture industry that were professionals in the special effects area of, mm. the, of the movie business, Star Wars, stuff like this. Wow. And they lived kind of like a very bohemian type lifestyle. I thought it was kind of fun. Cool. Weather's nice. Yeah. Remember I was there in January and when you can walk around in t-shirt and shorts in, in January, much. I wasn't used to that. Yeah. Much different so, than today. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, I, 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 I came back to Cleveland. I felt, okay, I got to make a plan to go back there. Give it a shot. So I did I worked, put some money in my pocket, came out here with a few grand and two suitcases and no, knew nobody except my cousin. And, uh, began the journey. That's where the journey begins. And I, I started taking acting classes. I bartended at some of the crazy nightclubs here that, well, if I could write a book, that would oh, be yeah, I'm sure. But anyway, we won't yeah, name names. I'm sure. Yeah. A lot, lot going on there. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure. But it enabled me to keep my days free so I can go to auditions, study cold reading as an actor. I was an aspiring actor. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to learn the craft. So through discipline classes, cold reading workshops, this worked my way up, got cast in a few things. You know, commercials, uh, uh, movies, and television things in very small parts. Continued working until I got a job on a movie that uh, it was a horror movie, horror genre, that did pretty well. It's like a cult movie in the 80s. Yeah. And I played a, a character on that. But I wanted to learn the, the business part because that was intriguing to me. So I, I worked on the movie I was an actor on as an assistant to the production. Mm-hmm. They call them production assistants. 
the director producer like me and he i was like the son he didn't have so he worked my ass really hard 18 hour days were nothing wow and and uh literally uh, it was it was it was i loved every second of it so i learned behind the camera i think where my real talent you know i found my talent behind the camera so i was able to to take some of the you know experiences from be, being in front of the camera to the back and then boy i <laughs> you don't know anything at this point you have to learn you can't go to school from it for it it's hands-on yeah and i was i took opportunity i i took my lumps you know i made mistakes i learned from my mistakes and i became better and better and better what i did until i got into management and the international and that led to me producing co-producing producing executive producing to financing, learn to finance, and, and through my time with a big German fund, which I was an advisor to, and the rest of it started rocking and rolling for me. But it was always, you know, it's like we talk about families. You have a film family. Film family begins when you start shooting a picture, or actually before when you're hiring them, all the way to post-production and delivery of the picture. And that is a long, arduous journey in itself. But you become a family at that time. Yeah. And you have each other's backs, but it dissolves like candy, cotton candy. After what some people you remain friends with, others you see, you know, you know, here and there at the store, at a concert, or wherever, and you have fond memories of them, and you catch up. But you have that bond and trust, even in a small family, and by example and being a leader, you have a you have quite a job. So that's another thing about leadership: you know, be the leader, you know, uh, connect with people, be kind. To people ask them for things ask them to prove they need to set them aside and thank them when they do well and this helps everybody around you you know you pay, you, you, you're in shape it's like going out for a marathon mentally you have to be in shape to do a movie very fatiguing hmm. you have two three hundred people you're dealing with from attorneys you have to do law production post-production day-to-day management in different cities with different protocols in different states, continents, and everything else in the world, you're always learning. Wow! So you got to be—you got to be like an athlete. You got to be on top of your game, mentally so, and physically. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you're. Man, I, I this is so great because I'm just thinking as a as a teacher of everything I say to my students every day about you know having character, having a good work ethic, always being a sponge to learn. Now, you know, always be nice to people because you never want to burn bridges. Relationships are are bridges to, you know, making connections for your life and anything. So, Correct. It, so what I hear you saying right now is that you literally took all these things you learned from, from growing up and then these new things of just learning the operation business of movie producing and you were, you had the, the, foundational um, belief system that, you know what, if I'm going to make it, I'm going to have to work my butt off. Like you said, 18 hour days, I'm going to have to learn how to sharpen my craft in each area and never really say no to learning. Does that sound correct? And on how you approached it? Absolutely. And you, you know, just when you think you learn it, things evolve, change. So you got to stay ahead of the curve, which means you're putting more time in, you know, life is the university. You're going to university every day of your life. You may not call it that, mm-hmm. but you're learning every day. And that's, and you have to take it as that. that's the fun part also because you're smarter. Yeah. And you don't have to deal with people. 
it's, nobody it, knows it all, you know, but you, you get up and you are open, you stay open, you know, and, and with the grace of God allows you to have a mind that could comprehend changes. Sometimes it's hard, but you'll learn it. So when you talk to somebody, you're not talking, uh, about something you know nothing about. Yeah. Cause they may know, they may have written the book, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you gotta stay current, uh, be kind and use the tools that you have around you for education. Years ago, we never had a computer. <laughs> yeah. Now you can Google anything. Uh, the good and bad of it is that it becomes a little bit easier. The bad thing is, you, you know, uh, is, is there's dangerous content out there and not everybody is right just because somebody, you know, has an opinion doesn't mean it's the right one. Yeah. So, you know, you're growing as a person, your character grows as you go older, your wisdom grows. That's but don't be afraid to take that chance. Do it, you know, ask people for help. You'd be surprised who will give it to you if you ask politely, you know. Well, um, well I think, it, I think, John, I would think one of the things I like everyone to hear is what what specific maybe movie did you really have the struggle or or maybe not the movie you you were working on but was there one definitive moment that you remember like man if I really didn't have this happen in my life I wouldn't be where I am today in my profession hmm that's a good question. You know, there's movies I have been in, participated in, partnered in. Each one is unique in its own way. So it's hard to say, Jen, because they're all complicated. Yeah. You know, they all take everything that you have in your constitution to make, no matter how good, bad, and ugly they are. So you go through some things, you go through the same things, other things completely different. You know, dealing with movie stars with drug problems that you can't talk about. Mm -hmm. I can't, I I don't, you know, I can't talk about certain names and people because that's my word. I said I never would be contractually. I couldn't do it as well. But it wasn't because I helped people with these problems getting through it. And I had to call in help from friends that were instrumental in getting things made because I had the connections and they trusted me. And I made sure in the end I showed this person that was having uh, a problem that, you know, good people still exist out there and care about them. They care about them. Uh, and this is the joy. There's not one movie that, is, that was ever easy. Uh, they're all struggles. My first fun movie I felt that really put me over the edge was Quiet Days in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which was a movie we did back in uh, uh, 25 years ago. And I recently ran into the star uh, at a, a premiere party uh, that she, she was in. And she later at the party, uh, she was exiting and she saw me. And we had a chance to, to say hello to each other and uh, get a nice photo together and just catch up, you know, for a few minutes because it was on Hollywood Boulevard. We, uh, we filmed this thing at nights with really a, a tight budget and we yeah. made things work. And that was Hillary Swank. I could tell you what her name is. She's yeah. a two-time Oscar award-winning. And she was the same girl that I met when she was 19 coming in for the seventh interview for this role as the lead. And she was a tough cookie, very disciplined, and she very humble, very humble beginnings. And now seeing her now, not too long ago, being the recipient of not one, the youngest uh, uh, you know, Academy Award winner in history and then getting two. You can bet this can inflate your ego, but she was the same kid. We laughed and told stories. 
that's the payoff. That was my probably one of my favorite. Yeah. And the one recent one recently I did with friends, uh, an Italian uh, American Christmas movie called Feast of the Southern Fishes. I did with really long time strong friends of mine. That we spent twelve years trying to make this out of a comic book. We turned it into a screenplay, and I uh, raised the financing independently without anybody else's help to make, and that was very satisfying too. Yeah. So. The ones in the middle, you know, are all good too. They're all good and they're all bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's just, it's just, it's life though, right? I mean, it's life. What I've learned and what I, again, I hear you saying through your business is those relationships matter for how you produce something. You know, it's like a team, right? You, you idolize yes. John Wooden and his 11 yes. championships. And exactly, he yes. he modeled a way of leadership that was it wasn't foreign. It was just so simple. But he he loved people and he cared about them. And I think what I hear you just resonates with me is that you know what you wanted to emulate those same methods of treating people with being genuine, having character, showing love, showing support. Um, and because of that, you know, some maybe some of your productions were maybe more successful than others um, because of that that foundation you had with those people you worked with. It's funny, I, all true, John. You know, I met I met Coach Wooden years after he was down here signing a book, which I have them, and I encourage people to read them. Anything with John Wooden that he is the author or another author working with him. I, I uh, recommend highly. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not just about basketball. Basketball may have the least amount of importance in there. But it's where his woodenisms come in. And he, again, he's a common man. You know, he's from Indiana. He's from the Midwest. Uh, hard worker, Purdue, great basketball player. But his coaching, what he taught about life, all his players will tell you was invaluable. You know, like where happiness begins, where selfishness ends. Mm -hmm. You know, he has these... Uh, if I'm through learning, I am through. You know, these things that he told his players that are, that, that are important today. You know, the, uh, he has, uh, he's the architect of uh, the pyramid of success. And if anybody has a chance out there to Google that or get the book or get it from your library, whatever, uh, read the book. It's, they're quick and they're smart. And it's for the common person, which is beautiful because everybody can relate to it. But it's 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 about the decency of the human spirit, no matter what you do or whoever you are. And he doesn't judge people the way we all so quickly to judge people today. So that's, it's kind of soothing. Isn't, you know, soothing. isn't that the truth? <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole topic I could talk about just on judgment. But I'm going to talk about something really positive here. <clears throat> and it's, it's your beautiful wife. So let's talk about <laughs> that family that, that you created with, with Christy and, and how you met, because I don't know the story, to be honest, and I would, I would love oh. to hear it, how you guys fell in love. Oh, well, that was, uh, that was back in 1984, and uh, I was still very much the single swinger out here, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, having fun doing whatever I wanted to do, whether yeah. it was reckless or whatever. <laughs> uh, a, a mutual friend of mine from Canada, He's from Alberta, and Christy was born in Montana. Then she 
moved up to, to Alberta when her parents were, they were educators and they had jobs up in Alberta, Lethbridge, Alberta. Hmm. And he went, uh, he met her through them and they did modeling, uh, my friend David I'm speaking of. And uh, he was a good friend of mine I met in Los Angeles uh, when I first moved here. And still to this day is a very, very, very good close friend of mine. Yeah. He goes, goes John, I got to introduce you to a, 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 the most wonderful lady, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I don't need to get fixed up. <laughs> yeah. I'm in my mid twenties. I got, he said, I'll tell you what, we're going to go s- s- swimming today. Uh, body surfing in Malibu. I'll buy you all the beer this afternoon. If you go, I just really think it's important that you meet her. Yeah. I said, okay. So we did. And, uh, then I met her and then, uh, I made arrangements to go out with her mm-hmm. for the date. And I wouldn't even say date, just get to know her. Yeah. Well, we went down Melrose Avenue. I think we we walked for five or six hours talking and just talking and yeah. talking. There was this, you know, really bond we had in a very short period of time. It was very weird and very cool and felt effortless. Yeah. And she, plus, she was a beautiful woman to boot and inside even more. So I go, like, wow, oh my God. You know, I like this girl. So, you know, that's where we began. We started dating. And I, you know, we, we had so much in common. It was beautiful because it was during the Olympics and we were able to go sit outside in Hollywood, watch the torch go by. So everything was like kind of magical, man. You mm-hmm. know, it was like really cool. And she met uh, members of my family. They, were, they got along really, really good. I don't know. My family really didn't care for my other girlfriend. In yeah. the past, but so this one was like a garden angel coming down, I suppose. And she was. So that was the best thing I ever did in my life. So, you know, when it comes to a spouse, she was a model up in Canada. She came down to, to the United States to pursue uh, also jobs in this industry of modeling and uh, perhaps television, you mm-hmm. know. And she'd been out to Los Angeles many times because her mother had mutual friends. Like her second mother, she calls lived here in L.A. So she was very familiar with it. And so she moved out. You know, she says I'm, she did the same thing I did. We both uh, moved on the same day. Really? Years. July 3rd. So we, that was ironic. And she stayed down here. She got a place in Beverly Hills, a small flat there. And I uh, had a flat in Hollywood. And we started, you know, really seeing each other every day and just enjoying it. And we grew together because yeah. we were on the journey together, right? We both had dreams. We we're dreamers, you know? We still are dreamers. <laughs> no, you always should be. You know, John, that's yeah. so important you yeah. said that because having a vision is, is critical for just living a good life, I think. And it's so awesome that mm-hmm. you and Christy, that you, both of you had that vision of of just, hey, shooting for the stars, right? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Go big or go home is another way to put it, right? Exactly. And I think also that's where L.A. played a pivotal role. It could have been the inciting incident for both of us. Is that's just the, back then, you know, L.A. was, you know, just so cool. Not that it isn't now. It's very crowded. But it gave, there's no boundaries. Like you'd look out at the ocean and Jenny, you know, you've been out. Yeah, there. yeah. But I've, been, I've been saying that there's something about it that's, it's hard to describe, but there's like no boundaries. Nobody's judging you or anything. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And if you really in earnest pursue it, all things are possible. Yeah. So when you have the right spouse, the right mate, and you're working in the same direction, you're in sync with each other. And that's also a, a very important part of life. I think could be the most single uh, thing that one does in their life that that is the most important, you know, having faith in God and having the right partner, yeah, is makes life joyful. Well, I think uh, you, know you know what? 
I would agree 100% because this morning I'm out there snow blowing the driveway and I came in, I was freezing and, and my wife, she looked at me and she goes, I'm going to come out there and help you. I said, you don't have to do that. You know, I, it's fine. I got it. You know, being the prideful man. <laughs> so then I go outside and not two, three minutes later, is she out there shoveling, doing what she can. And it always strikes me when I see her do that is that that love for one another, they're your mate. They, they you're right. one body. And, right. and, yep. and I think a lot of people don't think of a marriage like that. Think, think of it individualistic instead of holistic between, you know, the two right. people. And John, I mean, what you said is, is perfectly said is, you know, you're on this journey of life together and you're supposed to be dreaming big, supporting each other in these dreams because you are on this journey of life and in it is the destination, right? What it, What is the destination? It, it, the journey. It, it's the journey. <laughs> like you said, it's it's the journey to, to be present. And a lot of people don't know this, but being present with one another is a dying art. Correct. And, and we cannot form healthy relationships without being present with one another. And it sounds like when you and Chrissy met that you both, I mean, you, you had it. You had the five-hour conversation on that walk and, you fell in love because you fell in love with each other. And because of that, you found a, a rock foundational belief system between both of you. And, and love was right in the middle of that and allowed you to both push each other to where you are today. And it's beautiful to witness. Well, thank you. And I, I see that in your relationships, uh, you and your brothers, your siblings as well. And this, of course, you have a great example living every day with your mom and dad that were, were again, they're role models to me. I don't they are. Them. They are. So, so, you know, John, you know, love and mutual respect. These are two components to live a fun and successful life. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. God, God will reward you for doing this because he wants you to live in his image too. You know, 100%. not to get preachy, preachy, but look, you can let it out on the show. Let it out. You know, but you can, I mean, having faith is big. You know, you pray, you pray to God. He does answer. He hears you. He, you know, people upstairs in heaven can hear you. One day, everybody will look back at this <laughs> long into the future and say, it was, it was, it was kind of uh, not silly, but cute how we used to worry about things. And we're, when, when we had the power and the guidance of, of God in your lives, yeah. sometimes it's the hardest thing to see. It's right in front of you. Well, because things happen always not to, to your plan, but maybe to another plan. Well, so you have to be conscientious. You, you do. And that's why one of the, I mean, the first thing I do in the morning every day is, is I pray. And like you were talking about, you, you got to mm -hmm. ask God. And I, it's funny you said that because I, my afternoon prayer was, was Luke 11 and Luke 11, nine says, um, so I ask, I say to you, ask it and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And I think a lot of people don't even ask. And you can't put God in a genie costume. It's not how it works. It's the humility of, I need your support, Lord. I'm asking to you to be part of my life, to move the ball forward in this journey that I, that I'm in that I'm taking right now. That's brilliant. It really is. And look how, how that 
that reading can can absolutely be understood by the common man or woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's also a saying: if you never ask, the answer will always be no. Yeah. So again, you know, with the grace of others and the way and the approach to to respect and being kind, doors open for you, no matter what it is, no matter what profession you're in. Absolutely. You know, if you're going to the supermarket, you see an older lady or man. This person went through a lot in their life. They were in world wars, probably. You open the door for them. You allow them in. Small acts of kindness on every day, I think, matters. Maybe more to the others than you say, I'm just, you know, this is what I do. Eh. To that person, they'll probably go home and say, there's a, a nice gentleman that opened the door for me today at the supermarket. You know, as small uh, of an act of kindness that is, it could be much higher in other things. Wow. So you fill your day. You know, you, you get a lot more than given than you do receiving, you know, sometimes. Well, I think you and I, our personalities are very similar. Extroverted individuals, very caring. And what fills my cup, and I said before we got on here live, was what fills my cup is filling others. What, when, mm-hmm. when you push other people to be better and, and see their success, that's the greatest thing that I could get out of my life is making sure – that everyone I come in contact with, I left an impression for them that it's not about me. It's about showing them the vision that they can have in their life of what they can be. But you have to run. Believe in yourself, but believe, believe in God, then believe in yourself. But like, like we just said, but you have to ask the right questions and you have to ask or else it will always be a no, like you said. Yeah, if you never ask, the answer will always be no. Yeah. Um, you know, through serendipity, through being out there, opportunity, and things happen, too. That's why, another thing to the listeners, uh, to the group, the gang that's on this on this call, you know, you're giving them very good advice because you're a sound man. I could absolutely, I can't say enough about, uh, again, you and your family, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's underrated because you guys are very humble. You're the, the most competitive family i know all you kids and then, oh my god that's a whole other oh uh, we'll get the we'll get the fitness in, in here shortly we'll, we'll okay. dive into there but, here, but, but here's what i wanted to say to everybody too you know you open up your ears to compassion to be to vulnerability and to many gifts by doing certain things that you you need to understand to do in your lifetime or or, or make a make a goals and it isn't i'm gonna be first place and in, in the Cleveland Marathon or something like this. It could be. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have goals like, you know, I want to be, be be kind to myself and the curiosities I might have. How do I get there? Like traveling. I'm a big advocate of, of traveling to places that are, you know, culturally attractive. Uh, you look to nature where there's nothing. You look, listen to nature. It says a lot. I go to Montana all the time for my private meditations to places that are, pure wilderness and it's, it, it leaves me with such a great feeling one that i'm glad i got out alive without grizzly bears and wolves around but yeah <laughs> it just gives you that peace and quiet and the solitude that i think nourishes your body and, and calms you down no matter what's going on That's... go to places like france italy spain you know greece africa uh, the emirates whatever you know and learn culture learn people you know learn how to cook different things eat healthy you know learn learn about viticulture wines you know 
uh, you know, and, 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 and engage in conversations about all these things. You might go to a party, there isn't one person that does what you do, but you can talk about food, you can talk about wines, you can talk about children, you can talk about faith. You can, yeah. You know, make yourself get out there and participate too, even if you're shy. Open up, okay? Because it's fun. And people are characters, and you can have a lot of fun <laughs> at any party, gathering, and whatever. But take also your time to be alone in nature, whether it's going down to Lake Erie, you know, Metropolitan Parks in Cleveland. They have wonderful parks there or on vacations, rainforest. Go out, travel a little bit, be by yourself. Don't be afraid to be by yourself for a little bit, too. No, that's, that's uh, great because yeah. I, on the weekends, I always go running in the woods with a group. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the peacefulness of just being out in nature. And I think we are always on our phones now and the screen is our, is our God, not, you know, you know what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. And people really have forgotten of how beautiful God designed this earth. And in this morning when I was shoveling, I just heard the birds chirping and I was thinking to myself, it's amazing of that bird chirp of how God designed these little animals to, to still bring that, to lift your spirit when it's 15, 20 degrees out and you're freezing and this little bird's chirping like, Hey, I'm good. So how could I even question myself of how I'm not good? I'm, I'm warm. I'm not freezing outside, but this little bird's chirping away, having a great time. And again, learning about nature and observe it. You learn a lot that way, don't you? Well, it's in, like you said, experience, uh, one of the things I would like to know is, of all the places you've been in the world, what was your favorite experience and why? Mm. Mm. Ah, well, you know, I'm going through my <laughs> your notes that you have I mean, of all the I places mean, so you've been. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've you know, I, I'm fond of the south of France, for for instance, and and uh, I've been you know participating in the Cannes Film Festivals for so many years, you know, meeting my colleagues from around the world, you know, in very cool locations, very, you know, Saint-Tropez, great lunches, great fish, great wine. Uh, but there's, there's a time where I was staying in a monastery up in the Consumer, which is the, between Nice and uh, Cannes, and I was staying as a guest with some German friends who I just finished a movie with. And uh, the treat was we'd all go to Cannes that year and hang out. Mm-hmm. And I was staying with a Nobel. I was staying at the uh, at the house of um, of the Nobel Prize winner, wow. named Nadine Gordimer. She was very old. She was on the jury in Cannes that year, and we her time was very limited because of her duties as being the jury foreman, and her time that she could do anything, including sleep. So one day, you know, one of the, her son was a friend of ours, and. We'll call her by her first name, Nadine. Go figure. Yeah. And we had uh, we were at the uh, the Martinez Hotel on the or on the plaza in Cannes, and, and uh, we had about fifteen people wanted to meet around the table. I happened to sit next to her. We had it for an hour at the table. We enjoyed uh, we enjoyed a little bit a little bites afternoon Mediterranean snacks, and she happened to sit next to me, and we had such a great talk about things that she was fascinated with about where I was living and I with her because she wrote the book on apartheid. You know, she's a friend of, uh, obviously, 
uh, Nelson Mandela. Yeah. And to have this kind of figure sitting there. And we got along like we knew each other for 30 years. And she was, uh, oh, well, probably 40 years older than me. Yeah. But the candidacy we had, the, 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 the focus and the fun we had was memorable. So that was one of my favorite trips. But I've been, you know, South Africa, you know, being out uh, in the ocean with sharks. Uh, oh, you geez. know, um, uh, you know, when we were prepping for the movie we did uh, with Halle Berry years ago. Um, uh, New Zealand, I love New Zealand. You know, almost fell off the cliffs <laughs> up there too. Yeah, it's adventurous man, because that's different than the Rocky Mountains. It's all shale up there. Mm. Lord of the Rings was filmed. Called yeah, Remarkables. That was great. And there's so many. I mean, uh, oh, I mean, I'm sure you, know, you have. God bless I'm, I'm blessed to have been. You know, Asia, uh, Africa. India was quite an opening. You'll never think the same after traveling to India, especially if you go into places like uh, where the Ganges River is, where the spirituality, where, you know, uh, uh, it's very spiritual water there in Varanasi. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, the Hindis there and their, their beliefs and bodies burning on the ocean. Jeez. <laughs> you know. Uh, the spiritual water from the Himalayas coming down. It's uh, for a Westerner to see this kind of stuff is very eye-opening. Yeah, very disturbing. But there's these, you know, interesting places that I was fortunate enough to travel to. That each one has a story, and I have a lot of them. So I don't have a, a favorite place. Italy is great. I mean, being at, being at St. Patrick's, mm -hmm. I bless my grandmother's rosary at at, at, uh, at St. John's. You know, I went to all the wonderful places. Assisi, you know, St. Francis of Assisi, mm -hmm. uh, the city of Assisi. It was a very spiritual place and very remote and very cool. Yeah. In Tuscany, you know, going through Tuscany up to Venice. And, oh, I mean, we always had a good time, you know. Uh, France, I mean, going to Champagne to run the Bordeaux Marathon. Thank you for listening to the first part of episode one with John Michaels. I learned so much from him in regards to his faith, family, and God's guidance to give him strength to take action to go from a blue-collared man from Cleveland all the way to Hollywood as a producer who now travels the world. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and we'll listen next week to finish the interview with John and learn more about his journey in life and how to be a leader in your craft. This episode is brought to you by Survival Rubber. Survival Rubber, which is the most packable, portable, reliable fire starter on the market. No ropes, blocks, chunks, powders, or even portions. Slim and sleek packaging so you can throw it in your wallet, pocket, pack it up, fits in the palm of your hand whenever you need it to light it up and get the fire going. You can purchase Survival Rubber at survivalrubber.com or on Amazon. If you are really enjoying this show, please, it helps me so much to promote this to different areas of social media and to get the word out for people to listen. So if you can, just find the show online, view it in iTunes. Once you're in iTunes, select ratings and reviews. Select a star icon to leave your rating. Hopefully it's a five star. I appreciate it. The pop-up window is going to appear for you to write that review. So if you could finally do this for me, if you haven't already, please re leave a review and please share on your social media. Hey, thank you for listening. I love you guys and keep up the great work. And this ends the episode uh, with John Michaels. 
So class is dismissed. <laughs>